This is Ryan Holmes, author of The $4 Billion Tweet, a guide for getting leaders off the social sidelines, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, which is also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. This episode of the Marketing Book Podcast is sponsored by Content Marketing World 2017 this September. I'm going to be there. How about you? Content Marketing World is the one event where you can learn and network with the best and brightest in the content marketing industry, including several authors who have been guests on the Marketing Book Podcast. You will leave the conference with all the materials you need to take a content marketing strategy back to your team and to implement a content marketing plan that will grow your business. To register and get the best price, do two things. First, go to marketingbookpodcast.com and click on the Content Marketing World banner Make sure to go through marketingbookpodcast.com so they'll know I sent you. Seriously, there's a bottle of scotch in it for me for everyone who registers through marketingbookpodcast.com. Then, for the lowest price, when you register, make sure to use promo code MARKETINGBOOK and they'll knock $100 off your ticket price. $100. Think about it. That's $100 you can spend buying both of us drinks once you get there and still have money left over. I'll have more details after the interview. Today, we welcome Ryan Holmes to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his book, The $4 Billion Tweet, A Guide for Getting Leaders Off the Social Sidelines. A serial entrepreneur, Ryan Holmes started his first business in high school and quickly opened a string of ventures from a pizza restaurant to a digital media agency before founding Hootsuite in 2008. As CEO, he has helped to grow Hootsuite into the world's most widely used social relationship platform with 15 million plus users in over 175 countries, including more than 800 of the Fortune 1000. He's widely recognized as an authority on digital transformation, entrepreneurship, and social media. His insights are shared in publications such as Fortune, Fast Company, and the Wall Street Journal. And he ranks as one of the top 20 global influencers on LinkedIn and a leading CEO influencer on Facebook and Twitter. And a couple of really interesting facts. He grew up on a farm without electricity, and he's the inventor of a $29 standing desk. Ryan, congratulations on the $4 billion tweet, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks for having me, Douglas. That was quite the introduction. Really appreciate it. So just so you know, because I'm interviewing you, Ryan Holmes, right now I am wearing a Hootsuite t-shirt. All right. Well, that is great. Glad to hear you got one, and, and we'll, we'll send you a couple more. Well, there's, there's even more than that, Ryan. A couple years ago, I was at a marketing conference. There was a Hootsuite party, and I, I went to it, and there was a uh, costume character of the Hootsuite mascot, Owlie. Mm-hmm. And, and I've always wanted to know, was that you in the costume? <laughs> 
So for those of your listeners that don't know, Hootsuite's mascot is an owl because owls are the, you know, smartest and wisest of all the birds. And we have this great, you know, human-sized mascot that travels around to all sorts of places. And that one, I, I've been in, I have worn the costume a few times. And I tell you, it is such a, a funny thing wearing a mascot costume because people just do all the craziest things to mascots. <laughs> they kiss them, they... They squeeze them and they punch them. <laughs> and that doesn't normally happen when people know it's you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, so I wasn't wearing the mascot costume that time. Okay, but for all the listeners out there, if you are at a conference and you do see the costume character of the Hootsuite mascot, Owly, that could be Ryan Holmes inside. So just, <laughs> you know, be on your, your best behavior. So, Ryan, we've had over 140 books on the podcast. And of interest to me, your book is the shortest one I've read <laughs> to prepare. <laughs> In fact, this book is so short, and you're the only author I'll probably ever be able to say this to, I read the book <laughs> twice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's about 100-some pages, and I guess it's more of a primer and very interestingly designed. So... And, and that's intentional. I guess I'll, I'll speak to that if you don't mind. You know, the, the point of this book is to really, as you mentioned, get leaders off of the sideline of social media. And, you know, it's called the $4 billion tweet. It's, it's referencing a tweet that Donald Trump made at Lockheed Martin where they, where they effectively lost $4 billion in market cap. He, he talked about cost overruns in their fighter plane program. And they didn't have a response to that tweet. They were flat-footed, $4 billion of market cap erosion, 5% of the company value. And, and so I put that as at the beginning and in the title as kind of a bit of a, uh, you know, a thought exercise to leaders to say to them, you know, if Donald Trump tweets at you tomorrow, are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you have the, the DNA of social built up in your organization to be able to respond? Okay, so let's go into a little bit more about that. What President Trump was complaining about was the high cost of the, I think it's the F-35 program. And right. you said they were flat-footed, and the value of their stock, I think, was it down that much in just by the end of that trading day? And I think, didn't they not do anything for about 10 days? There was just crickets? Yeah, they, they sat really flat-footed for a period of over 48 hours. And you don't have the DNA built up. You don't know how to respond. You don't know. I mean, and, and this is, you know, of course, a bit of a unique situation we're seeing with the president of the United States kind of engaging through this channel. But like, let's take Donald Trump aside. A lot of, a lot of your listeners are going to say, well, Donald Trump's never going to tweet at our business. But and future I, that, presidents might. I, it's, it's, <laughs> this isn't going to go away, I don't think. It, it may be the case of future presidents, but it also might be an influencer. And it also might be uh, a long tail, you know, a customer that's not very active on social, but they might create a video and put it up on YouTube. And that in itself may go viral. And so we're seeing that influence can happen anywhere, that communications and relationships with customers are increasingly on social and, and have that transparency of social. And so the, the, the big point is that this is a DNA that you're going to need to build and develop. And whether it's Donald Trump or, or uh, you know, anyone else in the world, you, you need to be building and thinking about this. Right. And then I guess some time passed. And then back to this original narrative, the president was complaining about the high cost of the 747s that Boeing was building. And he tweeted about that. And Boeing 
responded right away and was ready to engage. Long story short, maybe there's not a correlation. At the end of the day and at the end of that quarter, their stock price went up. Yeah, absolutely. They had a they had a much better disaster, for, you know, crisis comms preparedness. They had built the DNA, and they and they I think maybe were a little more ready for it. And so, you know, that's a great contrast to you know the the downside of of not having that built up. Yeah. So I saw a study that looked at the Harvard Business Review's list of best performing CEOs in the world, and it turns out that. They, they looked at, at minimum, did they have a, a profile photo and multiple connections on LinkedIn and or Twitter? That's it. And the results were only 20% of CEOs did. And if it said 18% were on LinkedIn, 7% were on Twitter, and only 4% were utilizing both platforms. So, Ryan, let's talk a little bit more about some of the risks that companies are playing by not being socially active aside from stock price but you know most companies aren't publicly traded what what are some of the other downsides that maybe some of these CEOs aren't aren't worrying about yet well you know i'd mentioned briefly the relationship that we have with our customer and if we think about this generation that has grown up digitally native they are not going to call a 1-800 call tree once they you know acquire a product they go and talk about it if they love it or hate it and when they look for support on a product that's where they go to and and so really you know business is is evolution and and darwinianism you think about you know fortune really favors businesses that adopt new technologies and the ones that don't they risk and face obsolescence and so you know for every major communications trend way to engage with the customer you know from from the telegraph to the telephone to fax to internet to you know on and on it, businesses have to adopt new technologies or they do die and i think that for you know several years People kind of sat on the sidelines and thought that social was a fad and that it was going to go away in a couple of years and they could just, you know, get back to business as normal. What we're seeing is that this is not a fad. It's not going away. It is it is core to society and is changing in so many ways how we do business and how industry and, and, and uh, society is structured. You know, in this last year, Internet advertising surpassed television advertising in terms of gross dollar spend for the first time ever. And that is not going away. It's not turning back. It is now, you know, being purchased through Google, Facebook, and Twitter, and all these other social channels. And, and the reason for that is that's where the eyeballs are. And so, you know, really, if you're not there, your competitors are going to be, they're going to be eating your lunch, they're going to be building a DNA that you don't build as a business. And then when you ultimately decide you need to get into social, you're going to be playing catch up in a big way. Mm -hmm. You know, I just have to wonder if, I don't know, 125 years ago, companies were saying, well, should we get a telephone? You know, <laughs> who's going to answer it? And you know, the customers need something. They're going to come by the store anyway. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that Twitter has replaced the newswire and social has replaced media. Explain mm -hmm. that. Well, you know, I think about the – so we'll start with Twitter and the newswire. If you want immediate news of, you know, what's going on in the world right now, I mean – I referenced Donald Trump. I'll reference him again today. He sent out, you know, a missive at Amazon. They had an immediate stock market reaction. Six billion dollars in market cap uh, eroded. We'll see how that rebounds, but that's a big hit. 
you know, out of that, we're seeing that the immediacy and the immediate impact of uh, of this is really relevant. If you want to find out about you know any sort of news, breaking news, it is now coming through Twitter faster than anywhere else. And so that's what you know why I coined you know Twitter the newswire. You know, social media is replacing traditional media. I met, I referenced you know, the ad spend, uh, you know, online getting now a bigger piece of the global advertising budget than television. First time ever this year. And that's not going away. You know, you think about where do you learn? Where do you get your news? A lot of people say social. And, you know, it used to be the newspaper. It used to be radio. It used to be television. But, you know, you increasingly hear more and more people say social and by that, they mean social media. And so social media is a form of media. It is, a, you know, an amalgamation of a lot of different types of print of, of now more and more video, et cetera, et cetera. And it has this social component, but it is just, you know, media at the end of the day with a social element. And so you, you were starting to see this become more and more into common vocabulary. Yeah. You talk about how the average user spends nearly two hours a day on social channels, and that's more time than is spent on eating, drinking, or socializing combined. And I think you also talked about how younger people are on social media now more than they're sleeping. <laughs> there's, there's a big risk of that. I mean, the, the other you know, part of how they're able to do that is mobile. And mobile as a technology has changed how the workplace works. It, changed, uh, it changes so, so much how our employees engage at work. You know, they have there's this concept of BYOD, bring your own device, where employees are bringing their phones into the workplace. And you know, it used to be that people would come to work, they would use the work computer. Your IT team could figure out what sites you wanted to firewall or block, but you can't block people anymore. They are able to access anything they want through their own phones. So this means that you know you can try to block it, but it's just not a winning strategy. So how do you how do you proactively work towards this and and work with your workforce and and create positive energy and and I think positive ROI out of this this asset that you have this employee workforce asset and that's a great opportunity for brands. And the other big opportunity is it in in the book you talk about how social media has been seen as a marketing tool, but the social interaction now pervades the whole customer life cycle. And I think a lot of companies don't realize that, particularly all this valuable information that they can be getting. And I wonder if you could talk a bit more about that. Heck, even talk about your own Roomba story. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I use the Roomba story as, a, as an example of, you know, the customer life cycle and how it now is completely you know, com completely happen on social. And so the Roomba story, from my perspective, I became aware of a Roomba through a YouTube video. It was uh, a video of a, a cat in a shark costume sitting on a Roomba. It was a viral video. That's like and three memes right there. I know. It's all the memes together. And, and so, you know, what did I do next? I asked my friends on social about this product. I said, hey, does anybody have a Roomba? Do you love it? And I had a ton of response out of that. People were saying, it's great, go for it, you're going to love it, blah, blah, blah. I picked one up. I shared the unboxing on social media. After that, I around Christmas, a couple of years ago, I had a Christmas tree out, went out for a Christmas party, came back. My Roomba had chewed up 
all the Christmas tree lights, pulled the tree over. It was a horrible mess, and it was really kind of funny. And I I sent a, a, a message out, and I said, this is, you know, look at my bad robot, ha, ha, ha. And I tagged I tagged Roomba on it. And guess what? The, the team at Roomba was listening on social channels, and they responded back to me. They said, oh, Mr. Holmes, sorry about that. Looks like, you know, you had a bit of a Christmas problem. We'd love to send you a new Roomba. And, you know, I was like, wow, that's amazing. So I gave them my, my address. They sent me a new Roomba. I shared the unboxing again of that. And I, I share this story. You know, I'm now a huge Roomba fan and advocate. And guess what? That is a, you know, every step that I mentioned on the customer journey there happened online and it happened on social. And so this is an increasing trend. And that's my example of that. I, I put that out to brands to really get them thinking about this. And, and, you know, a lot of them are really doing a good job at starting to adopt this and thinking about every step along that customer journey. So in the book, you, you say that traditional PR is in the death throes. Explain. So I think that, that traditional PR and, and it, you know, it gets into this concept of thought leadership. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty proactive in thought leadership. I, I use it and I, I think about it in terms of the, the content that we're putting out, how we can talk about what we're doing as a company, how we can shape the direction of an industry. So if, if people, you know, if I go and ask people in business who they think are the, the best people in thought leadership that are out there defining an industry that are known as being at the head of their organizations, a lot of people would reference, let's say, Richard Branson. He's, he's been synonymous with being a you know, thought leader, sharing his, his tips and, and thoughts on how to lead a company. And, and the reason people tune into Richard Branson is that he's, he's entertaining, he's creative, He's obviously a great business person, but people care about what's going on in his head versus what Virgin is talking about, what Virgin wants to share. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, a, you know, a person behind the brand and a person that is a brand. And this is the opportunity for leaders out there where leaders can share their thoughts and they can self-publish through any number of channels. I use LinkedIn a lot. I've got 1.5 million followers on LinkedIn where I share a lot of these ideas on a, on a daily and weekly basis. But, you know, you can also use channels like Medium. You can also contribute content to Huffington Post, to a whole bunch of other channels, Inc., etc., and there are a number of leaders that are doing this really well. Beth Comstock, who's on, you know, vice chair of GE. Elon Musk who is sharing some of the amazing, interesting things that are happening at Tesla and SpaceX. All of his content is hugely viral because he's, he's out there and being a brand along with and in, sometimes in front of Tesla and SpaceX. Arianna Huffington does a great job. And as I mentioned, Rich and Branson, uh, fantastic at, at uh, doing what he does on, on social. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I think a lot of folks that may be considering taking uh, the first steps in this direction don't realize is that the effect that has on that CEO's employees. Absolutely. Yeah, so if you think again about the, the millennials that we're talking about, digital natives, and it's not just millennials, it's, it's you know anybody within an organization, there's an opportunity to help you know, use them. First off, 
getting them in front of the content that you're sharing, the ideas that you're sharing, you know, as a leader, we all need to do this. We all need to, and I, you know, I've, I've learned this over the years. I, we started Hootsuite with three, uh, a three person team. It's now over a thousand employees. I need to focus more and more on alignment and communication now than ever before. And I can only imagine what it looks like when you're, you know, at an organization with a hundred thousand plus employees, alignment and communication becomes more and more important as you grow. And so there's a great opportunity for, for leaders to create these pieces of thought leadership that they can share both with the external world, but also share with their employees and workforce. And then secondly, once you share them with the workforce, there's this concept of employee advocacy where your employees become your brand, an extension of your brand, and they in turn can share this content on social channels. And if you think about it, when they go and share this content with their friends, followers, family, and other people, that becomes a word of mouth. It becomes a, a one-to-one type of conversation. And we all know that word of mouth is so highly impactful because it comes from a human versus, you know, what is historically an advertisement. And so this is an unleveraged, I think, asset that so many organizations have that you can get this content in front of your team and your team can then in turn share it. We have a, a sales organization in, in my company. I, I you know, create content and articles. And so often my, my sales organization, my sales team will take those content and articles, share it with potential customers and start a conversation. And that, I think, is one of the big opportunities. This is a, a big way that, you know, people that are, are reluctant or don't understand this, this is a way that you can create ROI. This is a way that you can drive business using social. And once brands understand this and, and figure out how to do this, it is lightning in a bottle. It is a really untapped asset that all businesses have, which is their workforce. So... There was a study from Weber Shamwick a couple of years ago, and I'll have a link to it in the your show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And it talked about the reasons why CEOs don't participate in social media. And the number one reason was that they say it's not typical for our for our industry. <laughs> what what do mm. you say when when you hear someone say, or what would you say to the leader who says, uh, you know, social media is great? My kids use it, but it just doesn't make sense for our industry. So a couple thoughts on that. First off, in the book, I give a whole bunch of pillars of, of you know, that I think are important steps that I think people should look at. First off, you have to choose the right channel for you and your customers and have that map to your strategy. So you may choose strategically to think about creating thought leadership content that's not targeted maybe even at your customer base, but it's more targeted at partners. And so where do you want to go to you know, create content for partners? That may be a strategy, but if you don't have a strategy and if you don't pick the right channels, I think that you, you probably shouldn't get started on social. The wrong strategy for Snapchat is not going to be successful. If you start heading at LinkedIn with the wrong strategy for LinkedIn, you're not going to be successful. So you need to put time and effort into thinking about that. Secondly, I would say that, you know, you mentioned this study from a few years ago. I think that so much is changing in the world of social and what we're seeing, you know, some of the leaders I mentioned, Elon Musk, Beth Comstock, Ariane Huffington, Richard Branson, these leaders are having really great success. And, you know, if, if I look at our customer base, we are seeing, you know, we have a huge amount of customers in the financial services industry, which has historically been thought of as somewhat, you know, not progressive and stodgy, conservative. 
but highly yes, regulated. highly regulated. Mm-hmm. We help them FINRA related businesses. We we have a huge number of, of financial services businesses that are getting involved in this, that are interacting and, and communicating with their customers in a really big way here. And we help them with compliance and, and other workflow things so that they can do this without going, you know, out of uh, out of the guardrails and, and at big scale. You know, one of uh, somebody that, that I reference in the book, Lloyd Blankfein, he recently he read the book. I referenced him in the book. He read the book and he, and he got on the onto social media in, in some small part due to, due to that. He dropped me an email afterwards. So he's the CEO of Goldman Sachs, a, you know, a massive company with trillions of dollars under management. He was sitting on the sidelines for a long time. But he decided that it was time to get off the sidelines and get involved. And I think that there is an avalanche that is happening in, in, in the corporate world around adoption on social. And we've reached a real tipping point. And so I think that that study from a few years ago, we're going to see a, a real exponential increase in, in leadership getting on social over you know this year and next year and, and into the future. It's, it's going to be a tool that every leader needs to have in their toolbox. Yes, and I, there's another study, and I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it talked about how boards, when they're looking for a new CEO, social capabilities is one of the top things they're looking for. I think that it's a great point. I, and I'd love to see that study, by the way. So if you find that and can put that in the show notes, I'd love to, I'd love to see it. Let's get back to the $4 billion tweet and, and Lockheed Martin. I mean, I think that there is actually a board uh, impetus where where that this is a critical skill that boards will need to think about CEOs on. And I think they also need to think boards are there to guard the business. Boards need to be pushing CEOs and leaders in the management team to think about what is their crisis comms uh, sophistication and are they thinking about the right things here? Because if they're not, the board is not doing their job. They are not ensuring that the best you know, welfare of the business is, is being considered. So I just looked it up while you were talking about that, and it was a uh, Harvard Business Review articles. It's from a book called A World Gone Social. Okay. From, and I'll, and I'll, put, a, I'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes. Great. So don't want to leave the listener hanging there. So one thing that you talked about, and at the end, you say there's a lot of steps, but there's really just six. And those are, you know, the secret of getting ahead is getting started for these CEOs. And the very first thing that you recommend is to get some help, which <laughs> maybe CEOs don't want to ask for help. Uh, but it talks about the idea of getting some help. Getting You've got experts on hand who can help point you in the right direction. But one thing you did include was the suggestion, do not let an intern do this for you. <laughs> Why is that a bad idea, Ryan? Well, I mean, for yeah, there there are a lot of reasons why that that can be challenging. I think first off, getting help, you you could get you know somebody on your team. You could get some reverse mentoring where you start to learn from some really savvy people in your organization. You might go to third party consultants or or um, a, a really social savvy communications firm. You, there are a lot of groups out there that can help you out with this. I think that the, the the next step is the strategy part, and that's where an intern just probably doesn't have the experience and and you know at, at the point in, in their early careers the frame of context around where you need to be going with this. And so that's why I think you know, putting you 
signing this over to an intern. Anyway, what happened with the the world of marketing and social for so many years? It was kind of like give that to the intern. We're now escalating and talking about leadership, and and again, that's even more challenging than just giving you know some some component of the marketing message to you know quote quote intern. I think that as you get more strategic, you get higher level, you need somebody that can really help you nail your voice and nail your audience and nail your channels. And that's going to take some some help. And so, you know, that's where I get back to kind of up leveling the investment here. If you, you know, the people that I've talked to that have done a great job at this, they've owned it themselves. They've gotten good help. And, and ultimately made an investment. And it is going to take time and investment. I don't want to tell people it's going to be, you know, there's no time or no effort involved in this. It's going to take that. But the, the, the win on this, if you do a great job at it, is massive. Yes, absolutely. And back to the intern point, in David Merriman Scott's sixth edition of his now 10-year-old book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR, he talks about a visit he had with American Airlines and how they operate their social how they do their social media and it's it's way beyond marketing because they're actually helping to run the organization uh, run the airline based on feedback from real time from customers and they talked about how they don't bring the, the the average age of somebody who's in their social media group they've been with the company at least 16 years because they needed people who understood how to run an airline and all aspects of that they could teach him the social aspects quickly. Right. That, that's a, it's a great example, a great strategy. And I think, you know, to your point, I, I really love the holistic consideration on this. You know, it is, it is not just a customer support channel. It's not just a marketing channel. It's not just a sales channel. It, I would think about it more as a communications channel, like your phone system. And you have a bunch of different people that you connect your customers with within your phone system. Think about it more like that in many ways. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say that while the $4 billion tweet certainly gets everyone's attention, that story in there, there's some true downsides. I mean, there's no shortage of, of companies that are just not sort of answering the phone from a social media standpoint. But I think for those that get started, what's going to keep them going and get them excited is the opportunity. They're going to see how, how well it works and it wasn't such a bad thing. I think that there's so many more benefits to be obtained rather than frightening things to be avoided. Absolutely. We're, you know, I'm really excited to see, you know, we, you mentioned that we've got uh, over 15 million customers on board. We see, you know, 30,000 signups every week of customers that are, or sorry, every day uh, of customers that are getting on board in social. And so there, you know, it's never too late for your listeners that are out there. I, I would underscore that. We are at the very beginning of this and, and, you know, building your DNA starting today is the right thing to do. Great. So, Ryan, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? <laughs> well, I, I kind of just mentioned in the last comment, but really it's get off the sidelines. We, we as leaders need to get involved in this. We need to understand it and we need to start building the DNA within our organizations starting today. You know, get off the sideline. And to, to that, to get off the sidelines, I would add, don't worry about trying to be Richard Branson tomorrow on social media. <laughs> No, it's a, it's a growing process, a learning process, and it'll take time, but, you know, make the investment and you'll get there. So what books have inspired your work and career? Well, you know, I've got a number, um, you know, some that come to mind. I love a book called Creativity, Inc. It's about the founding and, and running of Pixar. 
fantastic book. I, I love uh, you know a more a more fictional read. Well, I, it's it's actually a, a biography. It's it's an inspiring book about the human spirit. It's called The Long Walk, and uh, you know that's a really good one. Recently, I read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Great oh, yeah. book. Yeah. You know, just talking about the setbacks and, and trials and tribulations of entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, I always love those types of stories. So highly recommend that one as well. Sheryl Sandberg, uh, you know, I love all of her work. It, very, very you know, thoughtful and, and uh, interesting books for, you know, thinking about how we structure our culture and, and organization at Hootsuite. Are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to, to reading? Yeah, well, I, I'm actually looking forward to Satya Satya Nadella from from Microsoft has a, a new book coming up that I'm I'm really looking forward to to reading called Hit Refresh, uh, and and our, we've mentioned him today. Richard Branson has a new book coming out as well, and I'm looking forward to reading. Oh, okay, great. I I was not aware of those. Well, great. Now you've just added to my book shame list. So <laughs> book pile of shame. <laughs> <laughs> book pile yeah. of shame. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So, how best can listeners learn more about you and the book. Well, uh, you know, I'm on uh, social media, and my my handle is at Invoker, I N V O K E R, and I have you know kind of all of my social domains and handles tied up around that. Invoker.ca for for my uh, newsletter, and the book is on Amazon. It's an Amazon exclusive. Just search out the four billion dollar tweet, and it'll pop up. And you know. It's it's uh, uh, as I said, an easy, quick, and hopefully very valuable read for for your listeners. So everyone who is listening, please hop on Twitter, say hello to Ryan at Invoker. Let him know you heard it here on the Marketing Book Podcast, and have some fun. The name of the book is "The Four Billion Dollar Tweet: A Guide for Getting Leaders Off the Social Sidelines." The author is Ryan Holmes. Ryan, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure to be on with you today, Douglas. And that closes the book on episode 138 of the Marketing Book Podcast. Links to everything linkable in the interview you just listened to are at marketingbookpodcast.com. And that's also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And to register for Content Marketing World, just go to marketingbookpodcast.com, click on the Content Marketing World banner so they'll know I sent you. And then for the very best price, enter promo code MARKETINGBOOK. And if you have any feedback on the show, I'd love to hear from you. Just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and leave me a message or tweet at me. My Twitter handle is marketingbook or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. And please join us next time as we welcome Joe Polizzi back to the Marketing Book Podcast for the third time to talk about the new book he has co-authored with Robert Rose, Killing Marketing, How Innovative Businesses Are Turning Marketing Cost Into Profit. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.